How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host. The reason I'm the co-host is because God and Jesus Christ are the host. They are the ones that are in charge of this show. They are the ones that run and operate everything that's going on here at His Hard Line. And you are listening to another episode of the EDU Spot. Now, the EDU Spot, for some of you that might be new to His Hard Line, is something that happens about once a week where we do a reading out of, you know, we we learn something out of our history. We go back in some of our founding documents of this nation. We learn true history. We learn things that we typically weren't taught in the public indoctrination system that we all know as public school or government-ran education. Um, again, it's an indoctrination system just like the colleges, okay? Now, before we get started, I do want to start off with just a quick verse. It's from the book of Titus, and it's chapter 2, verse 5. And it says, To be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Now, what I want to read is we're going to be going over the fundamental orders of 1638. Now, in what is now Connecticut, a colony of settlers was established in New Haven by the Reverend John Davenport and Theophilus Eaton in 1638. Now, the fundamental orders of Connecticut, which is often called the world's first written constitution, was adopted a year later and reads in part and then we're going to get into it. But for as much as it hath pleased Almighty God by the wise disposition of his divine providence, so to order and dispose of things that we, the inhabitants and residents, and well knowing where a people are gathered together, the word of God requires that to maintain the peace and union of such a people, there should be an orderly and decent government established according to God, to order and dispose of the affairs of the people at all seasons as occasions shall require. And that's one of the reasons why I reference Titus 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. And more so, the part that I want to emphasize out of that whole verse was, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. That's very important. The word of God shall not be dishonored. That is why I picked that verse out. Now, in New Haven, Connecticut, a colony was founded by, like I said, the Reverend John Davenport. And as I said, they adopted the fundamental orders. Now, the fundamental orders were inspired by Thomas Hooker's sermon on May 31st, the year 1638, and it provided the framework for the government of the Connecticut colony from 1639 to 1662. And for two years before the adoption of the fundamental orders, Windsor, Hartford, and Wethersfield cooperated under a simple form of government composed of magistrates and representatives from each town. But the towns had no formal instrument of government. And so Roger Ludlow of Windsor, the only trained lawyer 
in the colony probably drafted the fundamental orders. And although he may have been assisted by Hartford residents, John Haynes, a former governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony, Edward Hopkins, and John Steele. Now, the document consisted of a preamble of 11 orders, or also known as laws, and the preamble was a covenant which bound the three towns to be governed in all civil matters by the orders. Now, the preamble then was a civil equivalent of a church covenant, and the model of the biblical covenant served as the foundation for all Puritan organizations, and the Connecticut General Court adopted the fundamental orders on January 14, 1639. Now, the colonists did not follow current conventions for marking a year, and thus the date on the document itself is listed as 1638. Now, the 11 orders clearly followed the Massachusetts government model and were consistent with 17th century trading company charters. Now, the orders called for the convening of a general of general courts every April and September at the April court of election, a governor and six magistrates were to be chosen and no man could serve as governor more than once every two years. Now, a restriction that lasted until 1660 and to prevent hasty, ill-considered choices, nominations for election were made at the September general court by the deputies from each town. Now, the governor and magistrates who composed the nucleus for an upper house were to be elected by the free men at the court of election. And the other orders prescribed regulations for nomination and election and set forth conditions for calling the general court into special session. And so no religious test was established for voting and the orders omitted all reference to the authority of the crown. And the general court was given supreme authority over the towns and their inhabitants. Now, the general court was authorized to adopt and repeal laws, impose taxes, distribute land, apprehend and punish people for misdemeanors, and enact legislation to promote the general good. Now, the general court was granted then all legislative, executive, judicial, and administrative authority, and the right to elect deputies and magistrates was, however, reserved to the freemen. Now, the matter of whether the fundamental orders of Connecticut should be considered a constitution in the modern sense, let alone honored as the first written constitution, as once was claimed, remains a matter of debate. Now, nevertheless, they served as the basis for government in Connecticut until 1662. And they are also the reason why in 1959, the General Assembly officially designated Connecticut as the constitution state. Now, this was... What I just read here was from ConnecticutHistory.org, if you want to go and reference what I was just reading. Now, we're going to get into the reading now of the actual fundamental orders of 1638. And it reads, In the spring of 1638, three Connecticut towns, Windsor, Hartford, and Wethersfield, whose representatives are and held a general court at Hartford, at its opening session, the Reverend Thomas Hooker preached a powerful sermon on the text that the foundation of authority is laid in the free consent of the people. On January 14th, following by the Julian calendar in use at that time, which would January 24, 1639, 
by today's Gregorian calendar, excuse me. So what I'm reading here, just for the record, let me just stop myself for a second. If you go to forums.national-assembly.net, you can see what I'm reading. The reason I'm reading this is because a lot of people don't typically like to take time to go out and read. <coughs> excuse me. So a lot of people do have time, however, it seems to listen to a podcast. So I'm trying to do the legwork for a lot of people who don't really have time to go dig for this and read it and learn it. They can just go right to the podcast and listen. So um, this is so so basically back to what I was saying. So this appears to be the first written constitution, like I was just saying earlier. <clears throat> now, however, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, this appears to be the first, like I said, the first constitution in the Western tradition, which created a government. And it's easily seen to be the prototype of our federal constitution, and which was adopted exactly 150 years later. Now, however, you see also the Iroquois constitution and the Mayflower compact of earlier times. You can note that the year recorded in the document is 1638 because the British calendar in use at that time began the new year on March 25 instead of January 1, as does the Gregorian calendar we use today. And Britain did not convert to the Gregorian calendar until 1751, when 11 days had to be added to their dates to get the Gregorian dates. In 1639, they were 10 days behind the Gregorian calendar. Okay, now, the reading. It says, For as much as it hath pleased Almighty God by the wise disposition of his divine providence, so to order and dispose of things that we, the inhabitants and residents of Windsor, Hartford, and Wethersfield, are now cohabitating, cohabitating and dwelling in and upon the river of Connecticut and the lands thereunto adjoining. And well knowing where people are gathered together, the word of God requires that to maintain the peace and union of such a people, there should be an orderly and decent government established according to God. To order and dispose of the affairs of the people at all seasons as occasion shall require, do therefore associate and conjoin ourselves to be as one public state or commonwealth, and do for ourselves and our successors and such as shall be adjoined to us at any time hereafter, enter into combination and confederation together to maintain and preserve the liberty and purity of the gospel of our Lord Jesus, which we now profess as also the discipline of the churches, which according to the truth of the said gospel is now practiced amongst us as also in our civil affairs to be guided and governed according to such laws, rules, orders, and decrees as shall be made ordered and decreed as followeth. Number one, it is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that there shall be yearly two general assemblies or courts, the one the second Thursday in April, the other the second Thursday in September. Following the first shall be called the court of election, wherein shall be yearly chosen from time to time so many magistrates and other public officers as shall be found requisite whereof one to be chosen governor for the year ensuing and until another be chosen and no other magistrate to be chosen for more than one year, provided always there be six chosen besides the governor, which being chosen and sworn according to an oath recorded for that purpose. 
shall have the power to administer justice according to the laws here established and for want thereof according to the rule of the word of God, which choice shall be made by all by all that are admit, admitted free men and have taken an oath of fidelity and do cohabit within the jurisdiction, having been admitted inhabitants by the major part of the town wherein they live or the major part of such as shall be then present. Number two. It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that the election of the aforesaid magistrate shall be in this manner. Every person present and qualified for choice shall bring in to the person deputed, uh, de de deputed to receive them one single paper with the name of him written, it whom he desires to have governor. And he that hath the greatest number of papers shall be governor for that year. And the rest of the magistrates or public officers to be chosen in this manner. The secretary, for the time being, shall first read the names of all that are to be put to choice, and then shall severally nominate them distinctly. And every one that should have the person nominated to be chosen shall bring in one single paper written upon, and he that would not have him chosen shall bring in a blank. And every one that hath more paper, written papers than blanks shall be a magistrate for that year which papers shall be received and told by one or more that shall be then chosen by the court and sworn to be faithful therein. But in case there should not be six chosen as for aforesaid, besides the governor, out of those which are nominated, then he or they which have the most written papers shall be a magistrate or magistrates for the ensuing year to make up the aforesaid number. Now, before I get to number three, I do apologize. I was very ill-prepared, and I did not grab a bottle of water. I'm just going to play a quick little, um, just a little instrumental here for a few seconds while I go grab a bottle of water here. Just give me a moment, please. Excuse me. Okay, sorry about that. Usually I'm a little bit more prepared for that. <clears throat> I could feel my throat starting to give out because it was getting really, really dry. So let's end that. Okay, now on to number three. It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that the secretary shall not nominate any person, nor shall any person be chosen newly into the magistracy which was not profound, propounded in some general court before to be nominated the next election. And to that end, it shall be lawful for each of the towns aforesaid by the deputy, by their deputies to nominate any two whom they conceive fit to be put to election. And the court may add so many more as a judge requisite. Number four. 
It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that no person be chosen governor above once in two years, and that the governor be always a member of some approved congregation and formally of the magistracy within the jurisdiction, and that all the magistrates, free men of this commonwealth, and that no magistrate or other public officer shall execute any part of his or their office before they are severally sworn which shall be done in the face of the court if they be present and in case of absence by some deputed for that purpose. Number five out of 11 orders here. It is ordered sentence and decreed that to the aforesaid court of election, the several towns shall send their deputies. And when the elections are ended, they may proceed in any public service as at other courts. Also, the other general court in September shall B, for making of laws and any other publication, public occasion, which concerns the good of the commonwealth. Number six, it is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that the governor shall either by himself or by the secretary send out summons to the constables of every town for the calling of these two standing courts one month at least before their several times. And also, if the governor and the greatest part of the magistrates see cause upon any special occasion to call a general court, they may give order to the secretary to do within 14 days warning. And if urgent, if urgent necessity so require, upon a shorter notice, giving sufficient grounds for it to the deputies when they meet or else be questioned for the same and if the governor and major part of magistrates shall either neglect or refuse to call the two general standing courts or either of them, as also at other times when the occasions of the commonwealth require, the free men thereof or the major part of them shall petition to them so to do. If then it be either denied or neglected, the said free men or the major part of them shall have the power to give order to the constables of the several towns to do the same, and so may meet together and choose to themselves a moderator, and may proceed to do any act of power which any other general courts may. I wonder if people are starting to realize that this is how the National Assembly operates. Pay attention to this. This is very important, folks, especially with how things are done within the assembly. Okay. Now, continuing. Number seven. It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed that after there are warrants given out for any of the said general courts, the constable or constables of each town shall forthwith give notice distinctly to the inhabitants of the same in some public assembly or by going or sending from house to house that a place and time by him or them limited and set they meet and assemble themselves together to elect and, ch and choose certain deputies to be at the general court then following to agitate the affairs of the commonwealth, which said deputies shall be chosen by all that are admitted inhabitants in the several towns and have taken the oath of fidelity, provided that none be chosen a deputy for any general court, 
which is not a free man of this commonwealth. Now the aforesaid deputy shall be chosen in manner following every person that is present and qualified as before expressed shall bring the names of such written in several papers as they desire to have chosen for that employment. And these three or four more or less being the number agreed on to be chosen for that time that have the greatest number of papers written for them shall be deputies for that court whose names shall be endorsed on the backside of the warrant and returned into the court with the constable or constables hand unto the same. Number eight, it is ordered, sentence, and decreed that Windsor, Hartford, and Wethersfield shall have power each town to send four of their free men as their deputies to every general court and whatsoever other towns shall be hereafter added to this jurisdiction. They shall send so many deputies as the court shall judge meet in a reasonable proportion to the number of free men that are in the said towns being to be attended therein, which deputies shall have the power of the whole town to give their votes and allowance to all such laws and orders as may be for the public good and unto which the said towns are to be bound. Number nine, <clears throat> it is ordered sentence and decree that the deputies thus chosen shall have power and liberty to appoint a time and a place of meeting together before any general court to advise and consult of all such things as may concern the good of the public as also to examine their own elections, whether according to the order and if they, or the greatest part of them, find any election to be illegal, they may seclude such for present from their meeting and return the same and their reasons to the court. And if it be proved true, the court may fine the party or party so intruding in the town if they see cause and give out a warrant to go to a new election in a legal way, either in part or in whole. Also, the said deputies shall have power to fine any that shall be disorderly at their meetings or for not coming in due time or place according to appointment and they may return the said fines into the court if it be refused to be paid and the treasurer to take notice of it and to escheat or levy the same as he does other fines. Now, number 10, let me just take another quick sip, excuse me. It is ordered, sentenced, and decreed <clears throat> that every general court, except such as through neglect of the governor and the greatest part of the magistrates, the free men themselves do call, shall consist of the governor or someone chosen to moderate the court and four other magistrates at least with the major part of the deputies of the several towns legally chosen and in case the free men, the or major part of them, through neglect or refusal of the governor and major part of the magistrate shall call a court. It shall consist of the major part of freemen that are present or their deputies with a moderator chosen by them. In which said general court shall consist the supreme power of the commonwealth, and they only shall have power to make laws or repeal them, to grant levies, to admit of freemen, dispose of lands, undisposed of, to several towns or persons, and also shall have power to call either court or magistrate or any other person whatsoever into question for any misdemeanor, and may, for just cause, 
causes, displace, or deal otherwise according to the nature of the offense, and also may deal in any other matter that concerns the good of this commonwealth, except the election of magistrates, which shall be done by the whole body of free men, in which court the governor or moderator shall have power to order the court to give liberty of speech and silence un seasonable and disorderly speakings to put all things to vote and in case the vote be equal to have the casting voice but none of these courts shall be adjourned or dissolved without the consent of the major part of the court and number 11 the last one it is ordered sentence and decreed that when any general court upon the occasions of the commonwealth have agreed upon any sum or sums of money to be levied upon the several towns within it, this jurisdiction that a committee be chosen to set out and appoint what shall be the proportion of every town to pay of the said levy, provided the committee be made up of an equal number out of each town. 14th January 1638, the 11 orders above said are voted. And so that, ladies and gentlemen, is the fundamental orders of 1638. It's very, very important that people listen to that because, again, like I said, this was, um, this was, you know, looked at as technically one of our first constitutions, and you know the reason we do this, this or these readings here, is because a lot of people don't. It seems like a lot of people don't have time to read, or don't want to read, or don't want to do the research. But like I said. If you can't read or research yourself, just come here. We will do the legwork. Um, now, the first 17 parts of the EDU spot, if you go to hishardline.com and you hover your mouse over National Assembly link, which is a clickable link, by the way, but three more links will fall below that. There are three links below that. One says avoid AVR. That's very noteworthy, and you should probably listen to that. The next one is Army Training Manual 2000-25. That's what we just finished with last week. And now I'm going to post this one by itself in its own page, The Fundamental Orders of 1638. So I'm going to categorize these things as we continue on with these EDU spots underneath the National Assembly link that I have uh, the tab on hishardline.com. <clears throat> okay. So, um, if you have any questions, you know, you can obviously feel free to email me at jmjdirect at protonmail.com. If I don't know the answer or can't find the answer, I know a couple of good people, men and women. I know a few of them that would happen to know the answer. But again, if you're not a reader and you don't like doing the research, you can come here at his our line at the podcast, listen to it, save it, follow it, share it, whatever you have to do, but you need to start learning and taking accountability for your own learning. All right. So that again is the 1638, you know, the fundamental orders of 1638. So that is really all we have for today. 
Like I said, this is more of an educational thing, not as much commentary as you would get on a discussion. And so, um, again, I encourage all of you to check out the assembly website. It's www.national-assembly.net. And in fact, when you go to that, you can actually hover above the, uh, let me see here. I'm, I'm at the page right now. If you go to resources, so you go to national-assembly.net, and there's a bunch of tabs at the top. One of them says resources. If you go four down, it says 1638 fundamental orders. You click on that and you have the text of what I just read. So what I'll do is I will put that link into the show notes so you can go back and reference it. But it's very important, ladies and gentlemen. This is where a lot of, you know, like I said, how our national assembly, our state assemblies, how they're situated, <clears throat> when I say it's lawful, it's lawful, okay? Um, it's not just done out of the whim, you know, uh, it's not just, you know, we, we're not, we just don't make up the rules as we go, all right? All of this, we follow our founding documents to the T, okay? So anyway, that is all we have for today for the EDU spot. I am so happy that you all came here to join us. And um, until then or the next time, we will find a new topic of discussion for the EDU spot. So remember the website, www.hishardline.com and www.national-assembly.net. Have a good evening or day wherever you're at. Bye-bye.